really good to be down there and speaking Spanish. It's, it's really good. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I was really missing here. I was just talking with uh, John and um, Mexico City. It's two hours ahead than Seattle. Um, so when I was in service in the church and I was seeing it was noon there, I knew it was 10 here. So I was just thinking, oh, right now the service is starting. Right now the sermon is going on. So uh, I have to say my heart was here and, uh, and I was really excited of coming back and, and see you guys and just worship with all of you. So it's, it's been a privilege to, to be here and, and it's a privilege to be back and, and be able to share with you some of the, uh, some scripture and the word of the Lord. So um, a couple of things I would love to say is um, for some of you guys that have heard my testimony, my dad quit church for a long period of, a long period of his lifetime. Uh, he was raised on a Christian family, but he quit church at a really early age. Um, so I was raised on a Christian family, but my dad was not attending church for all the time I can remember. Um, after I came to Crossway and he started seeing all the love that you guys were showing to me, um, he thought about giving church a second chance and start attending church because what Crossway was meaning uh, and I will. I want to praise and I want to say that he's still going to church. He's still attending. Uh, these couple of uh, weekends down there was amazing to go, the three of us, to church together. And probably for some of you guys will be like normal thing, going with mom and dad and your kids. But uh, for some others is such a great gift. So... Uh, I want to praise the Lord for that, and I want to thank Crossway, uh, Crossway Fellowship as a body of believers, because without you guys knowing my dad, your testimony and your love have been so meaningful to my family. I want to praise the Lord for that. And, um, and also, the Lord has been working uh, in my life through his word and through the church here. Um, and something that I have seen, and that's been also amazing, is the way here in Crossway and how the scripture compels us to uh, work with uh, being honest with each other. I think the first thing that struck me of being here in Crossway was when we were sharing prayer uh, requests. I was shaped in terms of, you know, kind of normal prayer requests, growing his knowledge or continue being faithful, but not super honest or deep things until I was in a community group and they were sharing about real struggles and real things going on in life. And for me, it was like, wow, like these people share really personal things. Like this, was, this is awkward. Uh, why, why they do that? This, um, and just seeing how it works, how the, how the body of believers and the family works in terms of being honest, 
in terms of knowing that the ones that are in front of us are not here to judge us, but to walk with us. It's just been so amazing. So right now that I was back, I saw that this kind of pretending being the perfect Christian, the perfect Christian family is still going on in, in, a lot, in a lot of Christian families that I know. And I was so glad of having the opportunity to see that we don't have to be perfect. We have been called to be holy. We have been called to do the best we can for the glory of the Lord, but he's not expecting perfection. He's expecting a honest heart. And I learned that here through the work of the, of the scripture, but through the testimony of the church. So I want to encourage you guys to, we should continue doing this. And I want to encourage you guys to pray for the churches in Latin America. This has to do with a cultural thing. This has to do with pretending a lot to show what you would like to be more than who you actually are. So um, I will just encourage all of you to pray for the church in Latin America that the scripture can just tear down down a lot of lies and a lot of uh, things that are going on and the scripture will just bring light to the bodies of believers down in Latin America. So said that, uh, I would love you guys to go with me to Numbers chapter 20 from verse 6 to verse 13. And uh, some of you have heard my testimony, so I will not go through that again. But I want to talk about a specific moment in my life. I was, um, I was super active in the church. I was doing a lot of stuff in the church. I was leading in the youth group. I was preaching sometimes. Um, And as I told you, I was raised in a church, but a lot of sound doctrine churches in Mexico, at least, had this legalistic view of things. So I was raised in that culture of scripture, but also kind of pretending to be something that probably you were not and try to put the best... uh, like put it like a mask on, I'm the perfect Christian, I don't deal with sin, Uh, I'm super active, I'm all the time doing stuff for the church and for the glory of God and blah, blah, blah. But the real thing was sometimes never shown. So um, reading through these verses, it, it really shocked me to know and understand who the Lord is. Um. Probably I can tell that my generation, at least in Latin America, we were going through this kind of church that it was teaching us of God as a friend, but someone that you don't have to take so serious. We're like, well, God is your pal. God is so cool. You're okay. Because that's Jesus. You know, this Jesus that it's a rock star, that it's a fun guy, that it's kind of turning down all the structures because he's just so cool. And, and I think that's why there's this kind of divorce between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
where we see the God in the Old Testament pursuing his glory and his holiness. And then we have this picture of Christ being just so relaxed and cool that doesn't make sense that are the same God. Until I went to this chapter that opened my eyes of who God really is. So Numbers chapter 20, verse 6, Then Moses and Aaron went to the presence of the assembly, to the entrance of the tent of, of the meeting, and fell in their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and tell the rock before the eyes to yell its water. You should shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. So the people was just complaining. They were saying, why we're here? We would love to be back in Egypt. Why you brought us here so we will die? This is a terrible place. Why we're here? And they were complaining all the time. They have seen the miracles. They have seen who God was, his power. But they were still complaining. And then Moses went before the Lord and received this command. The Lord told him what to do and how to do it. If we continue reading verse 10, then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock, the rock with the staff twice. The water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and, and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel crawled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. I remember reading through this passage sometimes and actually don't understanding why the Lord was so hard with Moses. He was like, what is record in scriptures? He just made one mistake. From his calling, he just made one mistake. And in the end, he did what he was told to do. He was told, you will give water to these people, and he did. So why this is so hard? He will not enter to this land just because of this. And the answer is yes. Because we can't play games with the Lord. Because the Lord is Lord. He is holy. So this just struck me. Because I was doing the things I have to do, but not the way I have to do this. 
I was thinking on this God that will, he has to forgive. He has to. He said he will forgive, so he has to forgive. He said his love, so he has to show mercy and grace. And this understanding of God as a God, but not as a Lord. So understanding how big this is, who God actually is, how amazing, how great, how holy he is, changed the way I saw him. Jesus came to receive all the wrath of God. We have a holy and a perfect God. He is loving and he's merciful. And that's why we can see Jesus on that cross. Because he is holy. And because the, when, when the Lord commands something, he also commands the ways things have to be done. It's not just the result. It's the faithfulness on the process of obedience, on depending. He was asked to speak to the rock. And Moses decided to gather the people and talk to them this way, you rebels. And, and what the Lord said to them, it's, what it, it's impressive. Because you did not believe in me. And if, if we read this, we can say, well, come on, he believed in this. He went to the rock. I mean, the answer of Moses is not like, what? Water from a rock? That's nonsense. No, that's not the answer. So why it's saying that he didn't believe in him? Well, because when we go to the Lord, we have to understand the whole thing. The complete thing of not just doing what we have to do, but the way we have to do it. Good news, we have Christ because we can't. There's no way we will do the things we have to do. And we will not do it the way we have to do it. But the good news is we have Christ. That he knows us, he forgives us, and he gives us strength through the Holy Spirit. Not just to do what we have to do, but to do it the way we have to do it. And that's a beautiness of repentance. Even though if we do the things we have to do, but we realize we didn't did it the way we should, we can cry to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And he will. But not because we're playing games, because, but because we understand who he is, how majestic and great and amazing God we have. And I'm saying this 
also knowing that we have to find our hope and comfort in a good father. This idea of an angry God all the time, it's wrong. He's a good and merciful and graceful father. But he's also a holy God that can deny himself. He can deny his nature of being perfect. So here we are. In front of this majestic God. That is our Lord. But it's also our graceful Father. So I really think to understand the deepness of this. To understand that Christ in the cross is the very same essence of God. That it's the one that it's forgiving, that it's forgiving Moses. But it's also giving the consequences of his acts and not letting him enter to the land. It's the very same God. And something that is beautiful, and I shared this with the youth group, if you continue reading in the scriptures and you, and you try to look up for Moses, all the time you find Moses in the rest of the scriptures, you will find that he is known as the servant of the Lord. God will say, my servant Moses. People will say, Moses is a servant of the Lord. He's not known here as the guy that disobeyed the Lord. Yeah, Moses, the one that has the best opportunity in his life, and he just failed. Bad luck. So sorry. That's not the way he's known in the scriptures. He's known as a faithful servant. And there's a song that we sing here that talks about who we are. And he says, the song says, I am who you say I am. And we, can see, we can't see this. There is no way to see this happening. But if the Lord says who we are, children of grace, children of God, we are that. And that's for real. And I want to share this so we can bow our hearts in awe to the Lord we have. Knowing that the work in ourselves is completed. In a future that we can't see. But he knows it's for sure. Because his promises are our hope. And that's done. And that's real. And that's for sure. And we can rest on a hope that it's real. More real than we can think. This is the Lord we have. This is the Lord we worship. And this is the amazing opportunity we have to understand the amazing, loving, and holy God we have. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Because we can call you Father. 
because there's nothing in us that you can see that it's worthy. There's nothing in us. But thank you for the process of the sanctification you were working in us. Thank you for the triumph you give us. Thank you because we are children of love, children of grace. You know we are not worthy. And we will fail constantly. But you give us grace through Jesus Christ. And thank you for the work you are doing in ourselves. Thank you for the church that you have given for your people to grow. All the glory be given to the Lord of the universe but also to the Lord of our hearts. Thank you, Father, for Jesus Christ, for his obedience, his sacrifice in the cross that will bring us to you in the time you will call us to be together as a church and worship you for the eternity. We praise you in the name of of Jesus. Amen. This morning as I arrived, Moises met me out front, and it was great to see you. It is great to have you back. I want us to take some time and pray together, but before we do that, I want to um, just share a couple thoughts with you from Psalm 6 as we, as we go to do that. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 6. There's been a theme that I've noticed the past seeming couple months in, in counseling sessions, and that has been this issue of talking to and with God. And that's come up in a number of ways, but it was illustrated most clearly to me not too long ago when I said to someone, I asked the question, I said, have you prayed about that? And the person paused and looked at me and said, I don't know what to pray. And I said, Pray that. And they said, what? I said, pray that. But, but that's not enough. But don't I have to have better words? Don't, I don't even know what to ask. I said, pray that. The challenge that I saw in that person, and I see in so many others, but I see most clearly in myself is, this tendency when we pray to not talk to and with God, but to come with an agenda that we know what we need or we know what we want to ask God for, but we don't just 
come to God. Come to God and pray, God, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I just acted the way I did. I know it was wrong. I know I shouldn't. God, please help me. To pray talking to God. We know that we can do this because throughout the Psalms, that's what the psalmists did. They oftentimes just open up their hearts. And I want you to look at Psalm 6. And I want you to look specifically at verse 6 and 7. David says, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. What is wrong with him? Doesn't he know that God loves him? Doesn't he know that there is the creator of the universe that cares about him, that he doesn't have to cry? At this point, you should be saying, Larry? David does what I'm suggesting we all need to do more of, and we're going to spend some time this morning doing this. We need to cry out to God and acknowledge what's going on. Now look again at those verses. Let me just make a couple of very quick observations. Number one, notice that it says, I'm weary with my moaning. How often does he flood his bed with tears? Every night. This isn't a one-time event. We don't know how many times it was. That's part of what I love about the Psalms. But there's an ongoing experience of his and he cries out to God. There are people in this body right now who are experiencing life not going very well. And cry out to God sometimes. Cry out to others. Why, God? Why? Why do I have to go through this? It isn't fair. But you're a good God. That question is asked of me often. Why? It's been asked many times as, as I've done funerals. Why did this happen? And I'm so thankful that one much wiser than me many years ago said, when people are grieving, don't correct their theology. Don't attempt to change things. And so my response most often is, I don't know. I don't know. But I recall Paul's words in Romans chapter 12 when he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And so there have been many times when I've not known what to say. I've just sat with someone and we've just wept together. 
And then we cried out to God. David cried out every night. I want to suggest to you that as we look at just this little snapshot here, that David is not somebody who lacked faith. And that's why he was crying every night. There are those who teach that if we have enough faith, that we will not have problems in our lives. We won't struggle with money problems. We won't have physical problems. We won't have anything else. And I'm here to say, David's message to us here and multiple times through the Psalms is so clear. We will struggle. He says in Psalm 69, I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. I want to encourage you as we pray this morning and as you continue to pray the days ahead, talk to God. Talk about those things that are struggles, those things that are joys, those things that are hardships. Do not approach God knowing what you need. Approach God humble enough to say, dear God, I don't know what I need. Be humble enough to open the scriptures, not looking for the answer, but knowing, I don't know what I need. I know I need you, God. And open the scriptures and let God begin to teach you what you need. And for those that are spending time with me, you know that one of my favorite verses for doing this, and I've prayed it dozens and dozens and dozens of times, is David's prayer at the end of Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my evil thoughts. The challenge is not for any of us to become more introspective and figure out what's wrong with us. The challenge is to go to God and cry out to him in prayer and say, God, would you show me 